You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 10th of June. The rewatch of Game 1, eight major takeaways, plus the Clippers' pet play, other things to notice, the Clippers' two different defenses, and some Jazz players that were just outstanding. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked On Jazz. Pow! How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA Insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan. Today's show brought to you by Stat Hero, the first ever daily fantasy sports book that gives the player the advantage. Go to stathero.com slash locked on for 300% back on your first play. I just finished re-watching game one. I have three pages worth worth of notes. I've tried to condense it down to kind of eight major um, focus points. I'm going to go through those eight major focus points, and then I'm sure I'll get into some, uh, I'll, I'll interrupt myself and distract myself and go on some tangents, and then we'll kind of run through uh, my various scribble marks and see what we can find. Overall takeaways, this is a fascinating series to me. There are lots of coaching adjustments that can be made here. I think I see a bunch of things the Clippers are going to do in game two. There's a bunch of decisions the Clippers have to make that I'm not entirely sure what they are. I do feel as though the Jazz kind of have who they are as a team and how they're going to play, and the Clippers are going to have to adjust to that for right now. There are some things that the Clippers, I think, are going to do as the series goes on that the Jazz will will have to figure out, or at least it's the Clippers adjusting to or reacting to, you know, really Rudy Gobert's dominance or Donovan Mitchell's dominance in a way that is just, if they do it right, they win. Like, I think at some point, you know, if the other team adjusts well enough you, and does it well enough, you kind of tip your hat. Um, it's a really interesting game to watch as closely as I just did. It took quite a while. Um, here's what I thought was really, one of my few takes, Donovan was really amazing. I mean, the points and everything are, are overwhelming, and he was great, and they threw everything in the kitchen sink at him, and he answered all of them well. What I think was what jumped out to me the most, though, is in the third quarter, the Clippers are up and they're playing very well and they're playing very hard. When he takes it to them, he really grabbed the entire game. And maybe we're going to find out more than just that game um, in in that stretch of the third quarter. The fourth quarter was dynamic and amazing. But that third quarter when Donovan comes out, the Clippers are up 13. They're playing hard. They're playing focused. They're playing engaged. There's a defensive possession in which the Clippers had two or three of the, just the unbelievably good defensive possessions. One of them, Reggie Jackson, gets a foul on the baseline. Um, And the Jazz were fighting through that Clipper defense at a level by which they drew a foul by the end of the possession or still got something. And I thought that was probably the key stretch to the entire game was in the third, the Clippers are up 13, they're opening up, They, I thought they really came with intention, with focus, they they have a real tendency to get casual, frankly. They have some guys that get very casual. They have a lot of casual possessions, I don't know if that's fatigue, I'll get, I, 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 
it kind of this is one of my eight points was the fatigue factor, and it's going to be interesting to see how that plays in this. Um, whether it's a culture or a fatigue, I'm not sure. Um, but I thought that was my first my first major takeaway in that third quarter. Kind of you know, obviously I have a ton of notes otherwise, but where was that Donovan took the game while the Clippers were playing. The Clippers didn't relent, and then Donovan took the game. The Jazz took the game from the Clippers while the Clippers were in control and playing hard and playing well. It wasn't like there were massive Clipper breakdowns where they came out in the third quarter and just kind of blinked. Three guys on the Jazz had unbelievable games. One of them, I think, was way better than he's getting credit for. I thought Boyan Bogdanovich was just outstanding in this game. You know, one of the things that was really evident to me watching the game was, and this actually isn't one of my eight takeaways, so here's my first tangent, was how much the Jazz players talk to each other and how little the Clipper players talk to each other. While I was in the arena, you can't see that on television. That's an in-the-arena observation. And Boyan was the one leading those conversations a lot of the time. He was incredibly engaged. His work on all the dirty things for a guy who at one point in his career scored 30 points with no rebounds and no assists and was like just a scorer. One, his defense on Kawhi Leonard was awesome. And particularly his defense of getting Kawhi Leonard off his spots when he needed to be. So that was really remarkable. That will get into the Clippers pet play when we get to that uh, later in this. The other thing was he had a bunch of plays where he really screened out and and got in rebounding position, which is something he does not particularly do well. Um, the other thing, he just hard cuts, early movement, sprinting the floor, getting to his spot in the corner that then opened up other plays. I, you know, I really thought that Boyan Bogdanovich's engagement level tonight was, or in this game, was about 100%. It was really superb. Royce O'Neal and Derek Favors, in addition, were just terrific. That type of energy and will against a team that I don't think naturally plays 48 minutes at that level. They're so skilled. They're so talented. They're so remarkably good. But I don't see a team. Now, this and this. All right. So we're kind of getting into this point again. This. This could be because they had played game seven. This could be because it's they're so good that during the regular season, they don't have to. But if you watch the Clippers, they have what I would call casual possessions. I didn't think Boyan Bogdanovich, Royce O'Neal, or Derek Favors had a casual possession on the night. I thought the engagement level was amazing. Royce's offensive rebounding work, Ron Boone talked about this a lot on our broadcast. He's coming in like a crap, like an outside linebacker on a blitz from the outside, reading the gap, getting in there. Uh, one time, and so that's most of it, he drew a foul or two on Kawhi Leonard, actually. He got Kawhi on that. That type of aggressiveness, if they're not fully engaged, he he's able to make a play on that. The second part of it that I thought was most interesting on what Royce O'Neal did just to show his his excellence was there was also a play where he ends up switched on Reggie Jackson. And on that play, instead of going and crashing for the outside and finding the gap like a blitzing outside linebacker, he just goes right down the post and just moved Reggie Jackson, got the offensive rebound, and put it back up and in. Favors was just terrific. 
whether it was playing high out on a pick and roll, whether it was switching, whether it was block on Rondo, whether it was the block on Zubak, um, on that. And then the other one was there was a play where Favors absolutely just sprinted the floor beautifully to get Jordan Clarkson a wide open transition three. Paul George and Zubak are just pointing at each other. No one's, everyone points to Jordan Clarkson being wide open, but nobody goes to get him. But favors sprinting the floor to allow the open shot was really the key to that whole thing. So um, those, those three guys, Royce, Boyan, and Favors were exceptional. Now, hey, we won by three. We're going to, that's playoff performance. Royce has been amazing this whole time because he doesn't seem at all fear fearful of the moment or scared of the moment. He looks like a total playoff veteran. Boyan and Derek have got to play like that. So um, from just a Jazz personnel standpoint, those were the things. All right, this the, the issue, I think, we're going to see the Clippers play much harder, much earlier. Like they forced one turnover in the second half. Ty Lue has pounded that at them, I promise, for the last 36 hours. And they are going to come out hard and fast at us. Here's the question I have about them. I don't know that that's their 48-minute personality. Um, And I don't know that that's possible having played now their fifth game in as many nights. And we talked yesterday about how few times Paul George has done this and how few times Kawhi Leonard has done this this year. On yesterday's edition of Locked on Jazz, if you want to listen to it, um, please do right when this is over. Um, Don't leave now. I want you to stay with me. Uh, I I think that'll be a really interesting aspect of this series. They, They also... There's a, I've talked about this a lot over the years on our program. Like, there are guys in the league that play super, super hard. They, they play, you know, Royce O'Neal is a good example. Ricky Rubio is a good example. Jay Crowder is a good example. They play super, super hard. If they don't play that hard, they go home. Like, that's why they're in the league. Because they play that hard. And they're super, they're, that's their, like their skill that keeps them in the league. If they don't play that hard, they go home. If... Reggie Jackson is an insanely talented number one scorer, I think out of Boston College, if I remember correctly. Like, that's not that's not why he stays in the league. Obviously, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard are on a different level of that. What you know, Luke Kennard was the primary scorer at Duke, who's a first round draft pick. Like, I'm sure he plays hard, but not like desperation hard, like a Rubio or a Crowder or an O'Neal. Like these guys are so there's a and I and I said this about the Jazz players. This is not like a criticism of the Clippers. When when we made all the changes and we added Boyan and we ma- added Jordan Clarkson and we added all the Mike Conley, I said the biggest challenge Quinn Snyder has now is to get his guys to play hard. Because they're so skilled if they can survive without playing hard. I, my vibe on the Clippers is they're so skilled, they're so good that they were able to go through the regular season taking rest days, load management days, playing certain guys different times, da-da-da, and win whatever they won, 40-whatever games, because they're just that good. And so now they have to go play at a peak level for 48 minutes against a Jazz team that pushes you and taxes you and makes you make plays every single time and makes you rotate quickly and makes you be sharp and makes you hit the right spots. And if they don't, in the Jazz play their game, the Jazz find every single one of those gaps. That, to me, is kind of the series. And and I, the Jazz naturally play that way with an intention. Even We'll touch on this in a second. Even the bad stretch early had an intention. So we'll touch on all that. All right. Those are my opening, three of my opening eight observations, plus other stuff um, along the way here uh, on Locked on Jazz. Rewatch of game one of the Jazz and the Clippers. Funny, our show today is brought to you by two guys I connected yesterday. Uh, I was talking with, 
Quentin over at grip com, And he was like, you know what? Actually, I need a, um, I need a refi. I was like, well, all right, I'll get you Steve Carter. So I, I hooked up Quentin and Steve Carter yesterday at Intercap Lending. Um, so today's show is brought to you by the new beautiful marriage of Quentin over at Grip6 and Intercap Lending, um, Steve Carter. Uh, Intercap Lending is a Utah lending company. They've been in business for 40 years. They are nimble. They are quick. They are uh, hyper adaptive. And they have Steve Carter. And Steve Carter is daily as good as Donovan Mitchell was in the second half against the Clippers. Okay, maybe he's not that good because that was really something else. But Steve Carter is our personal loan officer. The reviews are all five stars. His reviews equal to the review you would give Donovan in the second half. Let's go with that. Uh, you can call Steve Carter at 385-885-28. Intercap lending. They get deals done. They're blowing their numbers out of the water year after year. Why? Because they embrace change. The borrower experience is fabulous. They service their own loans. They have long-term relationships We've done two of our loans with Steve Carter, both times fabulous experience. Uh, our COO of Locked On did his with Steve Carter, so we're sending our own people there, and we have our own personal loan officer for you at Locked On. So give Steve Carter a call, 385-885-28. You're welcome to email me at dlock09, and I'll just connect you with him if that's easy. Easier dlock09 at gmail.com, and I'll just connect the two of you. Intercap Lending, NMLS number 190465. For more information, visit intercaplending.com. The other thing I was uh, with Quentin, and we were talking about Grip 6, Father's Day special going on right now. The promo code that I usually give you is locked on, gives you 15% off. But right now, there's a Father's Day special from June 8th, so that's earlier this week, to June 20th. Use the code PAPPY, PAPPY25. Uh, and you will get a 25% discount on all the Grip6 belts right now. Um, I do believe we're finally getting Ron Boone his Grip6 belts, so uh, that is arriving for Ron here. Um, So don't worry, we'll get him his soul at some point too, and I think he had something else he needed. He's so needy. (laughs) Just kidding. Um, Grip6.com. Socks, wallets, belts, 25% off for Father's Day. If you do get a chance, there's a place where you can put locked on to let them know you came from us because we're not using our promo code. That would at least be good because then Grip6 stays as a sponsor and still thinks that my listeners listen to me. That makes me happy. Their belts are amazing. Uh, There are no flaps, no holes, and no bulk. So, unlimited warranty, quality craftsmanship. It's what I'll be wearing tonight. Uh, It's what I wear every day. It's grip6.com. You get the buckles and the straps and you interchange them and if you get three buckles and three straps you got nine belts it's a great deal grip6.com go on the site use the promo code that's on the site right now p-a-p-p-y 25 to get a better discount than what i can give you see i'm just giving i'm 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 giving all right let's continue so the clippers are playing two base different defenses in this series and then there's a variation to what they're doing on one of them so the one is that when they're small and they have Marcus Morris on the floor and Zubak or Cousins off the floor, what they're doing is they're switching, okay? So so they're switching in, in all of those setups. That's probably the most difficult setup for the Jazz. But the problem with the switching for the Clippers in that sense is... When they're switching, if they have Luke Kennard or Reggie Jackson on the floor, then we're going after Luke Kennard on every possession. Right? So when they when they had Morris as their center, and then you have 
DeMarcus Cousins or Zubak, they played as their bigs, off the floor, they're switching, and that's when we're then able to go find who we want to have matched up against whoever we want. And you can go play the switch game. Now, that limits our ball movement and some of our stuff. We were The other thing is, I think you'll see more of in this one, is if Reggie Jackson's in the starting lineup and not, and not uh, Luke Kennard, as he will be, then run a pick with, with Rudy. When, Red, when Rudy rolls with Reggie Jackson, they have to bring weak side help. And that should open some weak side threes. The defensive rating the Clippers had when Marcus Morris was on the court and as a small in the 24 minutes that they played small was a 128 defensive rating. Okay, so if the reason they're doing that is to switch, it did not work in game one. So that's got to be a little concerning to them. Their defensive rating when they had either Zubox or, or let's go with Zubok on when they had Zubok on and no Morris. Now there was a time where they had Zubok and Morris on together, but when they have Zubok on without Morris, their defensive rating was a 110.5. So that's much better. Uh, and when, uh, so, let me see if I have that right again. Let me make sure I had that right. I think that, yeah. They had, when Morris is on the court with Zubak, it was a 110.5. When Zubak was on and Morris was out, so they're playing the drop big, it was a 104.5. So they were much better defensively playing drop against us in game one. So I think that gets really interesting to see. The little quandary the Clippers have there with this is, if Zubak is in the game, we can generally keep Rudy close to the rim. And if you watch when they're playing their... So we started this conversation time at the Clippers' two base defenses. So either they're switching with Morris as the center, one through five, or they're playing some version of drop with Zubak where the big drops back in the lane and covers the paint. That was a more effective defense. Let me just stay there for a second. The problem with that is Donovan can walk into a three all night long on it. So late in the game in the second half, they brought Zubak up higher to the pick, and now Donovan's driving by that Almost all the time. You do not want Zubak at 23 feet trying to backpedal with the ball handler. The third part of that is, well, Donovan gets hot. Now they're suddenly doubling Donovan off the screen. Rudy's rolling with a smaller guy coming, and they actually at one point had a play in which Donovan came off the high pick and roll. Rudy rolls. They're hedging two guys to Donovan. Someone's trying to stay with Rudy, and they brought a weak side defender. They basically had four guys defending two to take away Rudy's role and take away Donovan's shot. Now, it's 6-1. That's not the easiest pass for Donovan, but he's got one guy guarding three. And if you want to play catch-and-shoot three against us, we're going to win. Like, you going to take away Donovan, you want to take away Rudy, that's fine. We're going to go play catch-and-shoot three. We're going to win. So the, the, the thing that gets interesting here and I think is vital to this series the Clippers' preference is to play small. That it, They've re-identified who they are as a basketball team in the postseason. The, the, the amazing thing about this is in the regular season, this lineup with Marcus Morris that they're starting played 52 possessions in the regular season. It played 188 against Dallas. It went from 52 regular season possessions to 888 
in the postseason against Dallas, and then it was their majority of their lineup for 24 minutes in the game. On a defensive standpoint, it did not work. I think they would prefer to switch because if you have Zubak in dropping, you're letting us walk into threes. Otherwise, on all the plays where Joe Ingles drove and got the ball to Rudy Gobert on the on the roll in those plays, and I think Joe was Greg Anthony was saying he thought Joe was giving it to Rudy a little early. Well, it's debatable. Probably a little true. Um, all of those plays are cases where it's a drop big. Our pe- point guard is now penetrating. Our r- roll rim is happening, and it gets interesting. The, the The Clippers on the year defensively against the pick and roll were 24th in the league defensively on pick and rolls. It is not their forte. So they would like to stay out of that if they can. They were 30th in the league on pick and roll ball handlers defensively. 23rd in the league on pick and roll men. They, they do not want to be in that defense. That's why they've gone small. And the problem on an offensive standpoint of doing that is now Rudy hangs near the rim. And everything they're doing predicated offensively as we get into their pet plays and things is about getting Rudy occupied and away from the ball and allowing their guys to do something because Rudy is impacting things dramatically. So the key to this entire series is that 128 defensive rating when Marcus Morris was playing at center. It did not work in game one. If it does not work in game two, they have to make a switch and an adjustment that they don't really want to make because it's in a switch and an adjustment that pulls them into pick and roll defense more than they want to be in pick and roll defense on the defensive end and on the offensive end allows allows Rudy to sit there and play in the middle and impact their offense. The Clippers' offense, on the other hand, is really interesting to me. Out of timeouts, they run great stuff. They had a back cut to Zubak for a slam dunk that was a nice play. They had a nice ISO for Kawhi that was perfectly spaced. They had a bunch of nice stuff out of timeouts. They they had two really beautiful pin down for PG on the first play of the third quarter. Out of out of timeouts early, they play really... When they get free-flowing, quite honestly, they look like a team that's not played together a great deal, which they haven't with that lineup. And they get in the flow, and their game is really a lot of drive and kick. Drive, bend the defense, and kick, and try to get Rudy out of position at that point. What's interesting about them is I don't see them as a natural ball movement team. So what ends up happening is they drive, kick, stick, kick, stick, kick, Rudy gets back into position. Drive, kick, stick, Rudy starts to rotate back, stick again, because their guys are looking to make a play. They're running very basic, fundamental stuff in that open flow kind of offense. There's nothing that tricky to do there, and that's what ends up happening. In the third quarter, um, or in the second quarter, Rudy Gobert in early in the first quarter was getting out a little bit too, uh, coming in a little bit too far, and they were giving up some open threes, and the Jazz adjusted that. In the third quarter, you saw a bunch of the Clippers switching Rudy, Go- making plays that switched Rudy Gobert onto Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, which is interesting. So they literally are getting Rudy Gobert in an early action. Nicholas Batum brings it up. Pick and ro- Rudy's guarding Nicholas Batum. Now he's in a pick and roll, and he's guarding Kawhi Leonard or Paul George, which I think the idea is to... <clears throat> have Rudy Gobert occupied with a primary ball handler. The other one that's interesting on this is the Clippers who run 
somewhere in the range on on an average game, 75 picks in a game. So they are not a heavy pick and roll team, but they run a decent amount of pick and roll. They, They run, as I said, about 75 picks a game. This game, where they were in the 50s, and they had little to no success with their pick-and-roll game. If you look at their profile, their team profile, they run on, on the eighth most amount of picks of any team in the league. And they're the second best at it. The Jazz are the number... Teams run the eighth fewest picks against the Jazz, and they're the number one team defending it. The reason teams don't run pick-and-roll against the Jazz is because of Rudy. And you're trying to find other ways to get going and see what you can find in your offense. It's why teams usually play very short possessions against us, things like that. The Clippers got into a very heavy isolation game against us, and it was not they were not good at it in, in that game. I think that's where they're going to head. I quite frankly think we're just going to see a tremendous amount of pick and roll or or isolation game for them. They're going to occupy Gobert somewhere, move him around the floor, just get it very static and just play uh, isolation one-on-one. Paul George, isolation, he wants to go left almost all the time. He pulls up 67% of the time going left on a jumper. He drives right to the basket 38% of the time compared to left. So if he goes right, he wants to go to the basket. If he goes left, he's going to pull into his pull-up jumper and he's going to play that isolation game on you. Um, Kawhi Leonard is the opposite. He's unbelievable. He's gone 64 times right and 65 times left. And he's got the same efficiency on both of them. Um, If they get into isolation, you're going to... uh, Kawhi, you probably would prefer he goes left, by the way, if you can. Uh, If he gets into the ice, if they get... that's, I think we're going to see that. I think we're going to just see them breaking down one-on-one and trying to make one quick pass out to a shooter. Little as the series goes on because the Jazz pick and roll is so good. The other thing that they were doing, as I say, was, uh, and this gets to their pet play. This is the Clippers' pet play. Their pet play is a free throw line isolation for Kawhi Leonard. Bogdanovich did an unbelievable job. Royce did an unbelievable job of pushing him off. And then while he's isolated, wanting to get to his right hand, on the left side of the floor is Marcus Morris and Paul George with an interchange so that Gobert is occupied. And if they're, you know, if Paul George is suddenly picking, uh, or Marcus Morris is suddenly picking Rudy or so that Paul George can pop out, Rudy's actually got to sw- probably switch that in some ways or else Paul George is wide open for a three on the, on the backside with Kawhi Leonard wanting to go his right hand while Rudy's occupied on the left side of the floor. Keep an eye on that. That was their pet play. They went to it about five times in the fourth quarter. They didn't have great success with it, but that is the Clippers' pet play. Kawhi Leonard, free throw line, catches it with his big pit, mitt, goes around to the right side while the left side has Rudy Gobert occupied. That's going to have to be an adjustment um, by the Jazz. All right, I've got a few um, other things here. We've touched on almost all of them. Um, and then we'll run through kind of my random thoughts chronologically uh, through the game. Uh, in the game one rewatch here on the program. Today's show, as I mentioned, brought to you by Stat Hero. This is pretty interesting. Do you know 85% of people who play daily fantasy sports lose? Really? Yes, the game is rigged against you. You're playing against thousands of other lineups, not to mention experts who have more tools and more time, and you don't stand a chance. So introducing Stat Hero. It's the first ever daily fantasy sports book that puts the player in control 
and winning within reach. Here's how it works. Stat Hero shows you the lineups and dares you to beat them. It's you versus the house. It's a head-to-head fantasy matchup. You name your stakes. Winner take all. You have the advantage. Stat Hero is showing you their lineups ahead of time. <coughs> no one else does that. In fact, it was pretty funny on one of our, uh, we've been advertising stat here on one of our other channels and um, the host, the, our listeners have actually been too good. They were actually like, we're losing to you. You're like, people are killing us. Uh, you name the stakes, winner take, or sorry, you're in total control. Stat Hero is DFS the way it was meant to be one-on-one. So go to stathero.com slash locked on, sign up for free. And right now you can get three times back on your first play. That's giving you a 300% match. That's unheard of. Go to stathero.com slash locked on. That's stathero.com slash locked on. Today's show is also brought to you by my good friends at Built Bar. Built Bar, 100% real chocolate, 100% delicious, and the free built travel case. Ron Boone has this travel case and thinks it's like, loves it. Like he now brings it to every game with everything in it. He's got his lunch in it or his dinner in it. He's got his built bars in it. He's got everything. Ron Boone like loves the new, and I don't actually have one of these. Um, I probably could just buy one or I could like whine and complain on the air that I don't have one. Nine flavors available. Coconut, almond, double chocolate, mint, brownie, peanut br- Butter brownie, salted caramel, coconut, cherry barcia, cookies and cream, and raspberry. And right now, they all come with the free gift, which is your Built Bar Travel Cooler. Super cool. Uh, Plus, the macros are unbelievable. 130 calories, only 2.5 fat grams, 4 carbs, 4 sugars, 6 fiber, and 17 grams of protein. It's all at Built Bar. All right, this is the hard part of the program where I start kind of whittling through my notes, which are all scribbles, and try to figure out what they all say. We've touched on Donovan amazing. We've touched on Royce and Boyan and Favors being amazing. We've talked about the Clippers' two defenses. Talked about the Clippers' offense. Gobert was really altering everything. They are going to have to just, their entire game plan for this game is going to be to alter Gobert. Uh, we talked about the fatigue. I think they'll come out firing here early in the questions, whether it's in them to stay for 48 minutes. Um, Paul George... Is a, is a lot of talk. Paul George took three shots in the paint. One got blocked. One was an air ball reverse layup trying to avoid Rudy. And one was a shot at the rim over Rudy that he missed. Like Rudy directly impacted all three of his shots at the rim and literally made it so that he didn't couldn't make a shot. I, I am fascinated to watch where Paul George attacks. I almost expect he will recklessly attack the basket early almost to prove, see, I'm attacking, but maybe not even with the intention of getting it done. Who knows? Um, The other one on Paul George, the contrast between when he fights through a pick and roll at the top of the key and gets through it and his defense on that compared to like when he got hit on a pick by Gobert and just died and rolled underneath it so that Jordan Clarkson could get a wide open three is incredible. And I don't know like that you can live your game trying to get Paul George into picks because he's going to die on him, but he does it enough that I would not be fearful of running pin downs on Paul George's man or even running pick and rolls if Paul George gets on to someone and seeing if he's going to really like I think there's a there's a oh, if they're switching, he's going to, he's going to switch immediately. I'll give the the Clippers did some interesting things in the third and fourth where they actually didn't switch every time. They kind of fought the switch in an impressive manner. I'll tell you what I I would put, I would love to see the jazz hit Paul George a bunch of times early in the game with picks, both as pin down picks on the wing and high pick and rolls at the top and see where he is about fighting through those picks. Cause I'm not sure it's a hundred percent thing. And I think you can get some good looks on it. 
Um, all right. Let me run through my notes. I think I wonder, I almost had a feeling that Marcus Morris came to the game to punk the Jazz early. The Jazz answered really, really early physically, um, having learned from that Memphis game and thought that was um, uh, pretty good. The early stretch of the game where the Jazz missed the 21 straight shots. You know what? It was with intention. This is the thing about the Jazz. Everything they do is with intention. The early things they got were actually really good and they started to miss. And then they got rushed and then they... they definitely lost the rhythm but what Quinn Snyder wanted out of the Jazz was to play fast play early play with an aggressiveness and let it fly and they did it and it didn't work and they got a little flustered by it but I actually love the fact that one it was done with an intention two they they were playing a little bit out of their norm so I think they got a little uncomfortable with it and as it started not to work they pressed a little bit on it and they pulled it back but it is actually what the Jazz need to do They need to shoot 53s. They need to play fast and early. They probably overdid it a little bit with rust and excitement and energy and nerves. But that actually was with intention and the right thing to do. And I thought that was interesting. Uh, Keep an eye on this play from the Jazz. I call it a double stagger. It's a a double pick at the top where the Jazz are are coming off off the pick with two guys. And what's interesting about it is if Reggie Jackson or Luke Kennard or someone is on that and Rudy's the first pick, then... Rudy rolls and takes the small guard with him. Then the next pick, whoever it is, Boyan, Royce, whatever, Marcus Morris, and that guy should switch, and then that guy ends up on Donovan, and they're kind of all discombobulated. And you've got Rudy rolling on a small, and the Jazz ran that a few times, and a few times Donovan was able to turn the corner, and other times Rudy rolled, and it seemed to be um, impact. So I thought that was... Um, I thought that was really interesting. Um, I have a no- new, uh, Royce O'Neal's offensive rebounding. We talked about it. He was absolutely fabulous. Kawhi had two fouls early in that game, and Kawhi Leonard has been a little bit better in the season. He wasn't last night when Favors was on the floor, and so he got less minutes against Favors than he did against Gobert. That, I think, is a big part of that ballgame. One thing I've noticed in this game watching, the Jazz, I think I talked about this earlier, the Jazz are talking to each other all the time. The Clippers are not. That was an in-arena observation more than that. Um, Boyan was leading that. I think I did mention that earlier. Um, let's see. It talked about the Clippers as the as time goes on, they, they seem to run less and less focused stuff um, in a possession after usually coming out with something. George Niang had some really good transition defensive possessions. Um, you know, uh, the Jazz, I thought, generally were closing on three-point shooters pretty well. Knowing personnel, they had one really bad close on Luke Kennard. Um, Patrick uh, Beverly kind of they gave him a dare shot that he made um, from from Gobert, but I actually think it was the right play. Rudy didn't need to get himself in trouble there. Uh, Oni had a mix-and-match outing. His fouling is out of control. He's fouling at more than a foul every two minutes. He also made two hustle plays that were great. Um, it was interesting to hear Paul George on uh, Inside Tracks on TNT talk about they have no two-point shots. Um, we didn't. We went for like over two quarters without a two-point shot from game five to game one. Donovan's Inside Tracks were just amazing. Um, DeMarcus Cousins sprinting the floor was a huge factor. Their big sprinting the floor bothered us. Um, so watch Morris Zubak. Watch 
Cousins. They don't naturally run. They play 84% of their possessions in uh, half court, which is their natural place to be, not in transition. But Cousins in the game, running the floor bothered us. Cousins is still a momentum player. In other words, he's good till something goes wrong, and then it's not so good. Uh, that challenge was brilliant by the Jazz. That challenge might have won the game. One little note on challenges. Block charge is a good time to challenge. It's kind of a subjective call. It allows the officials just to look at it. It's not like the same way of like basically insulting them with I'm going to humiliate you in front of 19,000 people for missing a call. This one's kind of, everyone kind of knows the block charge is a brutally difficult call to make and you need more angles than the one you actually have as an official. So it lets the officials go back and kind of look at that play again. And I think that's a, you know, that was a really smart play. Uh, Bogey had some plays where he just denied Kawhi Leonard the ball and he never touched it. That were just awesome. Uh, Uh, let's see Clippers when they get their half Clippers had a bunch of defensive possessions in the first half where they were long and amazing when they dig in when the Clippers dig in defensively they are great and so you know when they dig in for 48 minutes they are really 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 great bogey's isolation I think that's here's the thing on the Clippers maybe I should just end it on this and the Clippers, I got a bunch of other notes. And the Clippers dig in defensively, and they really play it, and they stretch out, and they get their length, and they're in, and they're rotating. And then when they offensively penetrate and don't stick and move, they're awesome. They are awesome. And we've seen it. We saw it game some of it against the Mavericks late. We saw it different times during the regular season. It's kind of why everyone loves them so much, including myself, is when they're great, they are great. Um, when we're great, we're great too. But when they're great, they're, they're great. And I, but it's going to be interesting to see whether or not that's actually what they can do for entire games um, and see that. Um, watch watch free throws tonight on both sides. I think the Clippers will come out super active defensively. If we can get to the line and pull them off a little bit, I think that'll be important. And I think on we were, we were really active defensively on Boyan and Royce and pushing them off their spots, and they relented on some of that. They're going to have to attack back um, on that. Um, bunch of other notes, but I think that's the big stuff. I don't want to over-inundate you. I do have two more, three more pages of notes I haven't got to. I'll tweet out some of it or talk about it. Um, there's a bunch of, let me just kind of do a quick scan here and make sure there's nothing too important. Um, oh, Royce O'Neal, by the way, we talked about Boyan's hustle play for the three. We talked about the challenge. Royce O'Neal had a hustle play where he saves a play for a layup midway through the game that in a three-point game are just vital uh, and deserve some recognition um, for that. Keep an eye on this. Kawhi Leonard posts up. They space the four and they bring a cutter into the lane. We were coming with the cutter. It was opening up threes against us. Um, and they were not that patient with it and didn't stay with it. They Kawhi didn't actually hold the ball long enough on one time and then another time held it too long. Let's see how we react to that. I think once they'll show them film on that and Kawhi will make some plays out of that. So expect Kawhi in the post and Kawhi isolated at the top of the free throw line as their primary plays tonight. Um and keep an eye on how often they run some sort of early action pick to put Gobert on Kawhi Leonard or Paul George to have him occupied. All right, those are the things I'd watch tonight. Have a great time. Go Jazz.